Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Entangling Vines, Case 50. Lord Lotus Samadhi. In the Lotus Sutra, it is written, Deeply entering Samadhi, see the Buddhas of the Ten Directions. It is wonderful to see you all here. It's wonderful to be able to sit together. And I'm not saying that because of the numbers we have, but of the presence that you bring and the presence that you develop. 14 blocks. But it was nice to see the city live. There's a lot of construction going on. And now, of course, it reminds me of none else than our own human condition. Seeing all of this, we need to do self-care. We need to eat. And we need to take care of our physical health. One quick reminder, so you don't forget, this practice, as we have it transmitted, is not necessarily conducive. Nobody on the other. There's nobody here. Good. <laughs> Isn't that so? <laughs> connection problems. The connections are brought. Interference and static comes up. Also disconnected my previous topic from where we are now. Another wonderful example of how our human mind works. Believe me, even if I don't remember what I was talking about, it doesn't matter. Because right now, in a different place, in a different so I wanted to remind you that this Zen practice in the formal way is not geared towards necessarily assuring your physical well-being. You have to take care of yourselves. Yes, we feed you. But one of the things that we don't have really is the time or the formal way of hydrating ourselves. Now, if you ever go to a longer session and you find yourself on the first 
day, the end of the day, or the big headache, it's probably because you did not consume enough. So this practice in its wonderful layout does not contain time to actually have formal drinking of water or liquids. So you have to do that by yourself. Drink water. And if you think you have to avoid the terrible time on the cushion where the water wants to return to nature and the bell does not ring, well, you can choose which way do you want to be uncomfortable. This way, feeling really, really pressured will not harm you in the end in the way that dehydration can harm you. We want you to be able to have many more times sitting on your cushion, waiting for the bell to ring for the bathroom. So please take care of yourselves in that context. Today, we have case 50 of Entangling Vines, the Schumann Kattok Shoe, collection of koans. There's a total of over 270 cases in there. Today's case is very short, one of the shorter cases. And the translation of the title of case 50 is Lotus Summer. In the Lotus Sutra, it is written, deeply entering Samadhi, see the Buddha's branch of Japanese Rinzai Sen. Here we start with our Atadipa and Tabata from the Paramitra Sutra and a couple of other Sanskrit chants for Bali. And in the traditional Japanese Yoshinji way, the first sutra that is always chanted is chapter 25 of the Lotus. I distinctly remember how startling it was in the first session after having slept and after having woken up, no talking, nothing, everything silent, and the big gong starts. The preface just said in the stage out of the darkness in three o'clock in the morning. And then he knows how begins. And then the sutra starts. First, very slow. Goes on for thirty pages like that. What the practice offers us to take us away from our being mired in thought, 
If you chant at that speed, something you do not understand, that's no place to, no place to, without being noticed. Oh my God, what is the next word? And half the page is gone. Have you experienced that in the chanting view? And it looks all the same. <laughs> and you don't feel like turning to your neighbor to, yeah. So that chanting is a wonderful way for us to experience the mind of no thinking, but still being completely engaged. This already brings us into this case, speaking about deeply entering Samadhi. The quote comes out of a different part, comes from a different part of the Yoga Sutra. Chapter 14 of the Myoho Rengekyo, or short, it's called Hokkekyo, Lotus Flower Sutra. And chapter 14 is called Anurako Gyoho, which is a part in which uh, the Bodhisattva Avaloki Esvara, Bosatsu, is being asked by Manjushri Bosatsu. How can we practice the teaching of the Lotus Sutra, and which is the teaching of the Buddha, which is the teaching of compassion? In this world, where everything is always falling apart, where things don't go right. How can we practice that? It's a question that comes up in, in my mind. It probably comes up in your mind too. How can we sit here when he also had a question, can I make a difference? But in the end, the question did not overwhelm him. He chose to step forward in his And so we can step forward in our So the question would be, what are those four practices that I talk about in chapter four? The Anada Yohan of the Lotus Sutra. Four practices, four peaceful practices that we can realize in this world. And those practices are body, mouth, mind, and vow. With why what is meant is that Avalokiteshvara instructs Manjushri Bosatsu, Monju Bosatsu, calm yourself and your body. In other words, oh, sit down. Meet all of the thoughts, the feelings, the sensations that we just gloss over so often in our lives because it is required. As an organism, something commands our attention. Everything else falls off. 
empowering ourselves is also finding a place where there is a good chance that we will not be pulled away in that way that is related to us having to be responding from the point of surveillance, the paramecium. And this here is a place like that, nothing to worry about. Calm yourself and your body. Mouth, number two. When spreading this teaching, do not despise others. Do not point out their faults or the faults of their teachings. And when you speak to the teaching of the Buddha, teach it with a calm heart. Because otherwise, it's just inauthentic. No matter how great the fervor may be, say we want peace. As long as we go, Nobody will believe you. The good word of whatever teaching, if it is a good word, then it must come with a good heart with it. And of course, spreading the teaching for Zen practitioners is not some kind of proselytizing going around, hey, you want your knees to hurt? I have just the place for you. No proselytizing, just being who we are and just manifesting ourselves from that again, open and calm heart that we develop by sitting down and connecting to the breath, connecting to the sensations of what it means to be still. Now the third one, mind. And the fourth one, that's the last one, is is to vow to save all beings. Have you ever considered that? No, it's too late. You already did. You chanted twice already today. The Shujomu and Seyyamu. Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them all. That is that. Vow to save all beings. That is what the answer to Monju Bosatsu was regarding the practice of the teaching of the Lotus Sutra in this rotten, evil world. So here's the next question. Who is this Monju Bosatsu? Manjushri. So Manju is actually an abbreviation of Monjushiri, Monjushiri, which is the Sino-Japanese translation. So there was a 
word in India, Manjushri. It came to China. The Chinese translators at that time tried to find characters that are pronounced in a way that it sounds somewhat like Manjushri. And these characters then came to Japan where they are pronounced in a different way. And that's how it's Monjushi or Monju. What does Monju mean? Manjushi. Shining elegance. Shining elegance. And Monju doesn't like to hang out by himself. He has a body. He has a body. What was his body? Anyone know? Fugen. Monju and Fugen. Fugen Bosas. And both of them are gainfully employed as attendants of Shakyamuni Buddha. They are attendants to Shakyamuni Buddha. Do we have a Buddha somewhere here? Yeah, right up there, here on our Butsudan, on the altar. And as I can see, both Fugen and Monju have come to work. They can't afford cars, so Monju is taking a lion to come to work. And the white elephant, usually, it's just an elephant here. And this Fugen, yes, right up here on Utsu. Attending Shakyamuni Buddha. This is called the Shaka Sanzon. Shakyamuni, three statues together, the triptych, always together. Places where we get attached to ideas of things, of thingness, of I am selfness and all like that. And to help with that, he has. The tool of the trade for somebody like Manjushri. It's a sword, a cut off the illusions. Not only to cut them off, but once they were cut off, also to keep us from, bang, you're not coming in, not attaching yet again. That is Manjushri. He stands there. Chie, wisdom. Fugen, though, is even more practicing the sealers, practicing the six perfections, the six paramitas. Kana, Kapi, Chila, Kana, giving. Benevolence and charity, Shiva, ethical rules of morality, Virya, the energetic application to this path, the dedication to this, Shanti, forbearance, patience, 
sticking with it. Jaina. Sasai. Sitting. And finally, Prajna. Wisdom. Those are the six perfections that even the Bodhisattva Fugen practices. How did he become a Bodhisattva? By practicing. And Bodhisattvas are future Buddhas in the traditional cosmology of Buddhism. So Fugen is active this way, fulfilling the vows that were taken, all four vows. Shigo Seigan, Gandhi's vows. So this yoga, fulfilling the vows, is the activity of Fugen, saving all beings and appearing in all Buddha lands. The white elephant is Fugen's animal. Yes. The black tiger or lion. And neither, I've never seen black lions or black tigers, but it is a lion usually, which is the means of transportation for Manchu. In the traditional Zen monasteries, where there is a sodo, so a monk's hall, in the monk's hall, there is Monju Bodhisattva. So Monju is the central statue within in the Zendo. And it depicts basically a seated monk, very plain, very plain. And it is that this statue or this image of Monju is called Shoso, the sacred monk, the sacred monk. And then we get here. We have our t-shirt who serves the holy monk, but also all the representations of that Shosu, which is each of us. And of course, it becomes incumbent on us to do the same thing. Continue to give and to attend. To attend to the needs of this world. Okay, that's one joy fooling. See the Buddhas of the Ten Directions. What are the Ten Directions? Yeah, they yeah. are. Hmm. Technically, anyone has any idea? Well, it's the eight, first of all, it's it means the whole universe, jipo, jipo, all physical space. Specifically, there are the eight directions of the compass, north, south, east, west, northwest, northeast, southeast, and southwest. Wait a minute, that's only eight. But then there's up and down. That is the 10 directions. So the Buddhist scriptures, and when you hear about the 10 directions, 
it has to do with Buddha lands as, as well. You know? In all directions throughout the universe, we find these Buddha lands, each with its own Buddha. And the expression, the Buddhas of the Ten Directions in the Sutras just points to that. Now, let's not think of it as a, in, in the sense of an orthodox understanding, but from the point of view of a Zen practitioner, that in all these physical spaces in which we find ourselves, no matter how decrepit they may be, no matter how lousy we might feel, this is a Buddha. Where is the Buddha? Maybe we have to look. Maybe we have to shine. Are you the Buddha in your Buddha land? And the ten directions are often combined with the three worlds, or the three existences. The three worlds are the world of past, present, and future. The three worlds, or three existences, past, present, future, Buddhas of the Ten Directions and the Three Existences means all Buddhas throughout space and everywhere, without exception. And we chant that all the time. Ten Directions. Three Existences. Every time we chant that, we point to that. There is no place that is not a Buddha. And it doesn't have to be the people who are hired by the building. Some people do that spontaneously. And that seems to be it. But no, it goes even further. As a Buddhist practitioner, it is not just doing what it is, but also to recognize, and that was his teaching. Even this snotty piece of Kleenex is Buddha, a Buddha. So that even in its function, it has had a function for somebody who needed to grow that. All of that, making that relationship, helps us develop a completely different approach. And it is not just a thing anymore. Yeah, it's gross. It remains gross. You wouldn't want to touch it without a glove or without something. But the cultivation of recognizing that we can make a contribution and save even this snotty tissue and put it in the place where it probably should have been to begin. That plays into this here. 
you know, you'll say, but hold, hold on a moment. This talks about samadhi. I know samadhi. I know samadhi. I sit down on my cushion and then eventually comes this blissing up. Well, if that way of all we do, we might as well put that sign out like nail places at the spot. It's not a spiritual manicure or spiritual haircut or a spa. That's not enough. That is certainly an aspect. There's nothing wrong with sitting there and feeling the space, the fullness of heart, the lightness, or just having the absence of self-recrimination. That's all wonderful, but that's not an objective, or that's not something to hold on to. It's just one of the experiences that we will have. That is one kind of samadhi, but samadhi really knows so, so, so many, many different kinds, and depth also. I have to be a little bit technical here in that sense, so forgive me. But in terms of samadhi, I want to tell you what I was taught by Joshua Roshi about the two uh, very distinct types of samadhi. So one of the samadhis we can all experience and we have experienced is the samadhi in which awareness of ourselves completely disappears. But we are still present in this world. The story about somebody chopping wood or doing any kind of other really back-building labor, forgetting about their limbs, forgetting about everything just completely engaged. It's not a coin, but of the movement. If this is the biggest, biggest, biggest fossil, what would be on the other side of that movement? Smallest fossil. Place where everything implodes in itself. And there's a samadhi there too. That's a samadhi where the lights go on, where there is nobody there to see anything, where there's nothing to be seen. That is the non-conflict samadhi. That's the technical term. No conflict samadhi. Now, if somebody told you, yes, I have experienced no conflict samadhi. You could say, you're lying. Why? It cannot be experienced. There is nobody there to experience it. There is no it. However, we don't remain 
all the time there. It's never standing. The light will come up. And we will awaken. We will awaken. We will see. We will have consciousness arise again. And it is that process of awakening that teaches us all the time about that we have no idea what just happened. You will find that in your zazen that you prepare for yet another agonizing 45 minutes on the cushion because, well, something's wrong somewhere. Maybe there's a welt under your right buttock from your rope that's already pinching off either a nerve or some blood vessel and you can feel the tingling in your foot and your whole leg is saying, see you later, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it gets so bad that you really stay with your breath, right? And it's just starting there. Ding! The bell rings. Well, one distinct possibility is that the jiu-jitsu malfunction. <laughs> Less likely, though, because if they malfunction, they go longer. Not shorter. <laughs> and the other one is, well, there was nobody there. And you can't remember it because you weren't there. You don't remember what happened because nothing happened. But the time cycle returns space returns. That is this samadhi that is called the non, no conflict samadhi, mujo And of course, in the samadhi like that, everything is dissolved. No personality, no identity, no awareness. Isn't that getting interesting now? Because you can experience all of this. No, that's not right. You are experiencing all of this every day. Every day, because it is how this nature works. The nature of consciousness, the nature of this Buddha activity, of the activity of Dharma. And in this chapter 14 of the Lotus Sutra, it says, deeply enter in Samadhi. See the Buddhas of the Ten Directions. It's a teaching in words. Deeply entering Samadhi could be in either direction. And even when there are no Buddhas to see, They appear once we return from the Josamadi. The Buddhas appear. And we can learn to see them when we return from the Osamadi, from this completely being present without any self awareness. And then we 
name those Buddhas of the 10 directions. Sometimes you give them names, right? And we actually give names to 10 Buddhas. Before we go to this, that you move a little. just chanted there to remind us of them. It's chanted in ordination ceremonies. It is chanted in many different places. And what it is, is an acknowledgement of the various aspects, again, of the Buddhist teachings. The ultra-pure Dharmakaya Buddha. In Mon Ho the fully complete Sambodaka, reward for Buddha, Lokana, Senpai Kashin Shikyamunifu, countless thousands of transformation bodies, Buddha, the Nirvana. So that's already a teaching. If you go and Look at the old Atatius, there was an issue about three uh, Kayas, three Kaya of the Buddhas, Armakaya, Sambhavakaya, Nirmanakaya. So those are the first three Buddhas that we recognize here. Todaya Sanmiru Sambhu, the next succeeding living descendants, descendant, Maitreya, the Buddha of the future. Then it goes, Jiho, ten directions, Sanshi, three words, Ishibu, all the many Buddhas, Aishin Bunji Suribuza, great sage Manjushri. Manju Dayan Fuen Buza, great hiding Samantha Vada on the elephant. 
Great compassionate Avalokiteshvara, Kanzeyam Bosatsu. And the ending in the dedication that we always do together, Shison Buza Mokosar. The many noble Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, Moko Hoja Horun, Maha Prasnaparamita, the great wisdom beyond perfection. You don't have to remember any of this, it's not necessary. Don't remember the concepts and the words. But if you take anything from this exposition, no matter what shape it is, no matter where it is, no matter where you are, recognize the common Buddha nature that we have, each of us, with the inherent Buddha nature of all existing things. A snotty tissue is no different in its existence than we are. Functions are different. Let's not get to a point that we mistake function for sameness. This is the wonderful thing of the conditionality of our human existence, which we get demonstrated in the Zen practice, mainly that we are all emanations of specific conditions, conditions that are unique. And of course, in their uniqueness, They're still empty, yet filled with Buddha nature. So maybe this can teach us to be a little kinder to ourselves and those structures that we see that we rather get rid of than facing them. The fears we have, the hopes we cultivate, the reluctance we have to step forward and look straight into what is screaming at us to be like that. That's also Samadhi. The Samadhi of being absorbed, absorption, presence, all words that are very closely related. I've been speaking with some of you about breath. Our breath as the physical manifestation of these principles of the opposition or different phases of this movement of life is a very, very good teacher for all of us. Non-attachment. Oh, I like inhalation so much. I handed the exhalation. I'm not going to exhale ever again. 
It's my New Year's. Uh, <laughs> they are all the same. They don't last very long because even if we are very, very stubborn and very, very strong-minded, we can only hold our breath for so long. Maybe we pass out. Nature and the activity of karma will just go. This is a wonderful example of how it goes with many things that we find in our lives that we have decided to never do again, yeah, or that have come to some kind of arrest. And whatever is arrested in this development, we want not to judge it. We don't want to bang against it or anything. We just want to bring the kindness and the letting go of that what constricts this arrested movement from continuing its natural We'll talk more about that tomorrow on Martin Luther King Day because there are a lot of things that were demonstrated by a human being here that can point us in the right direction. And the most fabulous thing about it is that he wasn't wearing robes like this. He didn't have skin like this. He didn't grow up like any of us. And still, the core of the heart of the Bodhisattva, that good human being, mensch, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah? This is beyond all of sectarianism, religion, clothing, skin problem. And that's not So, more tomorrow. Deeply in Samadhi. The Samadhi of seeing is seeing. The Samadhi of hearing. Nobody there. Hello. Ah. Ah. One good. I have what? Here. Hey, hello. Come on, make yourself a All right. Back to the question. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.